All right, Wayne, we've just witnessed United 3, Galatasaray 3. I feel like I've seen that before. Not just the scoreline, but the absolute disaster class of a performance from United. How are you feeling? Can we just put out the... the, Well, no, we can't. I was going to say, can't we just rerun the Bayern podcast? Because I'm sure I came on straight after that, and it was the same thing. Apart from, and I was half expecting it, the concession of a manic goal in injury time. Which would have completed the set of three four threes away from home. Um, yeah. We held out for a, a very Brave. highly commendable three three. I I don't know what to make of that. To be honest, it's it's just it it is everything that United's Champions League campaign was is still still alive. I, I guess technically, but I mean that's the game that you expect, really considering. Yeah. And, and it's, it's crazy because you get a three one, you see McTominay score, and you think. And I don't know what it is. It's football in general, but Manchester United in, in specific, because we're United fans, is that they lull you in for a second. You forget. <laughs> I forgot for a second that we've lost the other two games 4-3. And I'm like, oh, three one's a good lead. I thought, no, no. Should have should have known. Should have known exactly what was going to happen. And then the, I just it just is what it is. And, and do you know what? We we could have won that game 5-3 with the chances that we had after after they scored to level it up. We still yeah. have chances to to have a clear distance in that game. That wasn't a good team that we played against. Um, no. Nope. And, and yet again, I mean, look, Galatasaray, Copenhagen, and we are not very likely to not even qualify for, for the Europa League. It is a crazy scenario that, that you just, first of all, if you had said, you know, I'm going to qualify for the Europa League, you would have gone, <laughs> all right. But then if you had said, that it was going to happen in the way that it has done, you would have just thought it's just absolutely mental. Yeah. And well, it, it's, it's mental that United scored three goals in all the three away games and not managed to win any of them. So that's that's pretty mental. Yeah. And uh, conceded just a fabulously lengthy list of absolutely brain-dead goals. Just incredible. And and United could you're right, United could have scored more goals tonight. Chance creation wasn't the problem. But we were so open, Galatasaray also mm. could have scored more goals tonight. There are plenty of shots at the end when they realised that Anana was not quite fit and not getting down on the ball. Then they started hitting the pot shots in. Zaha at the end had a chance, should have done much better. Could have been even worse. Uh, as it is, United have, in theory at least, uh, still have an opportunity to go through. Beat by an right result in the next game. So somehow it's still alive, just about, but not really, is it? No. So and and we can go through all the uh, all the mistakes, but it did start. It started all right, didn't it? I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, we've heard that so many times, but. Absolutely brilliant goal from Garnacho to start it off for United. The yeah. both the hold up play from Rasmus Hoyland, which we want from him, layoff to Bruno, found the right pass and brilliant finish. And that yeah. felt pretty good. All of it before that as well. To be fair, all the build just before it got to Fernandez. In fact, when I'm watching it in real time, I'm looking at it thinking, Bruno, you're not moving. Like he looked like he was actually going to hold the play up, but and then he then he received the ball and made it come alive, really, with the rest of the move. And yeah, just a, a fabulous goal. And obviously, then Bruno's goal from from range. And you're thinking, well, how much of that is down to the conditions? And please don't stop the game now, kind of thing. And 
we look really good for that for all of that opening spell. And yeah, all right, um, you are going to get a response from any team, and United have just more than the comedy. Not that I'm laughing, um, but more than the comedy of the the goals that we've conceded is the fact that the reactions to everything have been so bad. Reactions to scoring ourselves, reactions to conceding goals. It's just been yeah. such a poorly reactive season, um, but especially highlighted in the Champions League. And um, yeah, th- obviously it was a mistake from Anana from the first one as well. In fact, it's very difficult to decide. And I hate saying this because it's not fun to poke at um, uh, the players that we've got, when, especially when it's a new player and you want them to do better. It's difficult to decide which of those three kicks is worse because, you know, like recency bias. <laughs> We're talking a game of 90 minutes, by the way. Recency bias says that the one in the second half was worse. But now I'm thinking, oh, no, that first up, first one was quite terrible as well. well they're both um, catastrophic errors in different ways. I mean, I, I, like, I, I think it's a very long time since I was a goalkeeper, but I played goal at school. And I'm pretty sure you're supposed to trust your wall. Pretty sure. Now, goalkeepers out there, tell me if I'm wrong, but second-guessing the free kick before it's even gone in and taking two steps to your left and hoping to be able to make it over to the right just in case, feels like that is pretty bad technique. The second one is absolutely horrible. It looks really ugly because he's gone at it with his fist and just hasn't got down quick enough. And I feel like we've seen that a few times with Anana. But I mean, you could give him some mitigation <laughs> there and say, maybe, like, maybe Anthony Martial should not have docked under the ball and just headed it away. Yeah. I'm, I'm there doing this while he's, I'm for the podcast listeners, pretending to head the ball away. I'm like, ah. So, pros, pretty awful. They can, they can see you do it now, Ed. That's a good thing. The magic of evolution onto YouTube. They can see you do that. Also, I'm not going to do this for the podcast, but. Running motion. We could have seen that from him a couple of times where he decided not to do it. Um, there are a couple of openings where he just decided not to move. And, um, it's, it's a strange thing with Martial because he, he was obviously, he's on because of Hoyland not being fit. And, you know, he played all right at the weekend, but I say played all right. He played all right for Martial, but his form in general is so off a cliff compared to the electricity that we, we knew of him. He's, he's a player who's been going through the motions for nearly two years. He went on loan nearly two years ago, and it was clear from that moment that he didn't have a long-term future at United, but he still played another two years, well, another year and a half so far. And you're seeing a player who is, he's there. I'm going to say, even though I, I hate, like, again, poking errors at, at players, he's there to make up the numbers Purely he's in that team because he's the only senior striker who can take over from Ireland and he's got a bit of experience, but he, he's offering nothing. And a, a, a clever goal against Everton when the, the game's already won doesn't convince me that that's something to offer. And I suspect everyone right. knows that. But Everyone does. Like, so does the manager. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, and, yeah. Look, I mean, and and that, yeah, the they're not running for, for certain situations is... You know, very frustrating. We are frustrated by him in that vein for years anyway. We've seen that for plenty of years. But yeah, the stuff like 
other analysts would call that sort of ducking and stuff like that unforgivable. I know Gary Neville's a particular, he's got a particular hatred for players ducking in walls and, and ducking from crosses and stuff like that. But it, it, I mean, you just don't put your goalkeeper under that kind of pressure. You are putting him in a, in a situation that he, he can do nothing really. And look, he, d- he did do nothing. It was worse than nothing. And he still can expect a goalkeeper to do better than that. But you are giving him, you just, you are throwing a bomb at him for no reason, for no reason yeah. at all. And, you know, I put the defenders and the goalkeeper under pressure constantly tonight. And, yeah. you know, I know bang on it about it all the time. And it's not just because I feel like I said, I told you so, but I think having Amrabat alongside McTominay or any combination of those two with Bruno in midfield is just, it's a recipe for total chaos. No control there. I mean, Amrabat doesn't do anything defensively, right? I said that mm. back in the summer. Uh, I got a bunch of fucking know-it-alls on Twitter go, well, you've never seen him. You're just looking at the stats. I have eyes, and they look at mm. football as well as numbers. Uh, he doesn't yeah. do anything defensively. Scott McTominay can't pass, won't pass, doesn't get in the positions to pass. And the trade-off of he'll get you... The odd goal now and again, important goals with McTominay. I just don't think it's good enough to have him in there when he's playing that high up the pitch. He played higher than average position, higher than Bruno tonight. So you've got Bruno, who's an absolute chaos merchant in the best possible way. McTominay, who's a chaos merchant in a terrible way. And Amrabat just doesn't get involved in games. No wonder that looked like a basketball game tonight. You know, and like it's not a recipe for going to one of the best atmospheres in world football with an absolutely pumped up crowd and team that needed to get something out of this game. And United just needed a bit of professional control, especially at 2-0. I'm screaming at my telly going, just someone control it. And I kind of understand it being such a big game why he wouldn't put Kobe Mainu in there. Cobby, mind you, sorry, yeah. in there for because it's such a it's like no experience. Never yeah, played yeah. from the start. I kind of understand that. It's a safe choice. I understand why he did that. But Manit was crying out for someone with his skills, like just yeah. the ability to you know, be good on the ball and pick the right choice and slow it down where needed and speed it up where needed and just be a bit classier. It just needed him with. 10 extra games of experience. Well, no, but I I think obviously this is the benefit of hindsight, but I think, yeah, the summary is right. And it's not even with the benefit of 10 games of experience as well, because you could have put him in from the start. The difference, what you saw tonight when he he eventually did come on is that the game had already succumbed to chaos. The thing what you saw on on, um, Saturday, was it Saturday and Sunday against Everton with, with him from the start, is this was the the best thing about him is that reticent to get too carried away with this, but he did he did control the game the tempo of the game, um, and I, I really do believe that I think that he made the game go to the pace that he wanted it to go to, and that's um, it, that's significant from a player of his age. Now he, I'm not saying he could definitely have done that tonight, but you've got a better chance of doing that from the start. Than you have of being introduced when it's manic, yeah. Because you are then thrown into something, expected to calm it down, and for that you do need a lot of experience. And he didn't have it, um, and that's not his fault. Um, but he was a, a little bit lost in that tonight, obviously when he came on. 
McTominay, 19 passes. Amrabat, 19 passes. 38 passes from our midfield pair. Which is, by the way, what you expect. I mean, it's absolutely... I mean, it's disgraceful. I mean, maybe we should expect it because we're under pressure, but they're just not... They're not... Like, there's a big fucking hole there. Just a big hole there where midfield should be. If, (laughs) If... Yeah, if you're not familiar with the numbers, by the way, I know like a lot of people do, but uh, are. But if you're not, then 38, you would expect more than that from a single midfielder in a single I mean, Michael half. Carrick regularly got yeah. over 100 in games. Yeah, so, exactly. And, and so I know, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ne- neither of them are in Carrick's class. And, and my, my God, people used to have a go at Carrick, right? Because they thought yeah. he should be better than he was. Perhaps we're. Maybe reevaluate some of that now. It's ten years since he was at the top. I mean, yeah, it's just so open, so open. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to throw this all at Ten Hag or anything like that because blame for United's failings can be liberally spread across many different mm. parts of the club, coaching, players, executives, and and all of it, of course. But. Ten Hag cannot be happy with how open United are. And he just doesn't seem to be able to get the the combination right between being like making chances and scoring goals, which United have had a big problem with domestically, um, and keeping things tight enough so you don't concede again and again yeah. and again in tough situations in Europe. Uh, like he just yeah. doesn't seem to have been able to find the, find the right balance there. The, the, yeah, he's the not helped with... by absolutely dumb players. So dumb, some of them. So dumb. Like just not getting in the right positions, not picking the, not slowing things down when he needed to slow things down. You know, I think I tweeted out at one point: stop taking on the extra man and stop playing Hollywood balls. And that was after Bruno had sprayed a sixty-yard ball and we didn't keep it. And then Garnacho with two runners decided to try and take yeah. on his man. I was like, just keep the ball for five minutes. Yeah. Couldn't do it. I can can tell you're not very happy. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to throw any mitigation out there, but what I will say is I know United have periodically over the last 10 years qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League. I can't remember how often. I know they played Barcelona, played Sevilla at one point. Um, it's, it's two Champions League quarterfinals in 10 okay. years. So the point I'm making is that where United... Or where they have been, qualification for the knockout stages has clearly been a hurdle. What the standard hasn't been up to, and we see see that again with with this current team. They see that they're not quite ready. There are obviously got the injury crisis that's there. I mean, people can criticise Casemiro. I know that we have done on on this pod. People can criticise Varane. I'm no stranger to doing that. But the axis of Casemiro, Varane, and Martinez, which was so crucial to so much of our play last season has been missing for most of this season. Um, yeah. In fact, I don't, I don't even know how many games they've all played together. I suspect it may be one or if two, maybe maybe not even that. But they were so instrumental to, to the piece of our play last season. We don't have that, so we've had to... I actually think that in, in context of everything, Maguire and Lindelof are fairly blameless given what we expect of the players now so I'm not going to be pointing fingers at those but we still have limitations from those players when the best players that we've got aren't available and yes alright you look at it you said we should still expect a lot better than what we saw against 
by the way, Galatasaray and Copenhagen should definitely expect better against those teams at home and away. But this is where we are as a football club. We are at a stage where certainly with one or two injuries, we will struggle to qualify from the group stages of the Champions League. It's just when you, I can accept stuff like that because I'm used to relative disappointment, not disappointment. It's still relative in terms of the football as a whole. Yeah. Huge disappointment as a Manchester United fan, don't get me wrong, but it's the way in which we've done it. It's, it's watching the, the away games from this group stage. You could say if you're being generous, if you're being Paddy Crerand when he used to be on MUTV, commentary bless him you've like, oh, united have been involved in thrillers in all the away games and they've been entertaining they have been entertaining but you can do without sometimes you remember people say oh fergie's games in europe were boring because they got tuned up quite early on and then they just control it oh for boring oh for oh, boring. God, yeah Please love some bring of that. back the yeah. boredom Good the funny thing is most of this season has been boring at least the domestic season united haven't I mean, apart from Everton at the weekend, United hadn't won a goal by more than a game all season and had lost half of them and were playing really boring football. And then you get into Europe and it's absolute chaos, end-to-end stuff, can't control a game at all. And like, what what is it, lads? Is it going to be Oli ball or is it going to be Van Gaal ball? Don't seem to find the right blend in between them. It's one or the other. And yeah, I mean, it's it's mad. Uh, I'm sure if Ten Hag had hair, he would be pulling it out. Yeah, uh, well, because, but yeah. or 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 he hasn't got the chops about him to coach this group of players into something better. I, I I suspect that's not true, given that what he built at Ajax, he knows how to build a team. It's just the ingredients aren't right for him, or he's partially at least picked the wrong ingredients for United. Doesn't have the things he wants to build the team the way he wants, and isn't able to get out of the place he got. Yeah. He's got available to him what he wants either right so it's not entirely his fault it's a lot of the players some of the basics are horrendous just cover the positions or i'm still i'm still uh, i'm still going absolutely bonkers there go look at everyone go look at the average position map yeah and tell me that you're surprised that with one one defensive player who doesn't do a lot of defending in front of that back four you're surprised United didn't concede a lot of chances. Like, to go tell me that. Because yeah. like, it's mad, absolutely mad that McTominay's in that team only for goal scoring. Because, I mean, fine, if you're not conceding any, that's great. Yeah. If you're conceding 20-odd chances a game, uh, 24 against Everton, by the way, at the weekend. Uh, something yeah. similar tonight, I think. Uh, uh, 16, 16 shots uh, Galatasaray yeah. had tonight. That's you just can't keep doing that. Just madness. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I said I do return to a point I made probably early September. There's such a big disparity in the players that Tenog obviously trusts, and then the players that we moved on. Because you know, people will say we haven't been ruthless. I think if you look over the year and a bit he's been in charge and all the transfer windows, it has been pretty ruthless in terms of the turnover of players. And then there is players that we can't move on and they're still senior players, so you still keep them around. And there's such a disparity in, like, because it, it does come down to an attitude thing. How much do those players want to be there? How much do they want to prove how committed they are? And obviously, massive motivational factor with those players who know that they're 
they're really just coasting because there's no objective for them anymore. And credit, I know we, you've criticised McTominay and, and we know about his lack of quality in terms of being a, a top-class midfielder who's going to dominate a European game. We know why he's in the team because he's done well goal-scoring lately and that he's better games in games of this nature where he tends to be quiet and we don't notice him so much, even though he scored tonight. Uh, but I'm using Everton at the weekend, for an example, where he's, he's very quiet and that's probably for the better. And then Maguire's another example of a player who has reacted better than I expected. But then you've got players like Martial and you've got other players in the squad and a drop-off in standard from, considering that we've moved on a lot of players who were, I mean, even a Langer, just as a quick example, but, but players who other clubs wanted because they were motivated and, and they could see a future for them somewhere. Whereas like they, they weren't umming and ahhing over other players like, oh, it's too much money for Maguire or it's whatever reason for any other player. But we are left with sort of like an A class of player called the A class who Tenorg wants. And then the B and C have mostly been moved on. And then it's the D who were so mostly squad filler. And it's a massive disparity in it. And it's funny because the, it doesn't explain the contrast between the league and the Champions League, but it does, it does explain somewhat the erratic form. Um, in terms yeah. of, you know, like it, it makes it look bonkers in the Champions League. But if that was the pattern all over the rest of the games, then fair. But then when you've seen, you've seen what they can do at Everton. And I don't think ever, Galtasaray's, yeah, all right. It's it's more fervent than what Goodison is on a European night. Don't get me wrong, but it's not massively different to to what these players should expect to go through. And there's no excuse for apart from the conditions. And I don't know because we're on too soon after this pod to know what the reactions are. You may read them out because I know they sometimes do. I don't know if anyone is blaming the the weather. I'd be surprised considering the nature of the goals that we conceded. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, they, I do, weren't, they I, weren't to do with the weather, were they? No, and and I'm I know that I'm being generous and and sort of trying to be a bit more level-headed about it and say, all right, there's a disparity between a class A and a class D in terms of the players. But I mean, it doesn't explain how bonkers it became. It's just absolutely nuts to see that happen in a third Champions League away game, and not just that, the home game against um, Galatasaray as well was absolutely crazy. The only game that yeah. has been, that, that was the uh, Copenhagen one, and even that had late drama in it. It's just, there's nothing that United have done that's been straightforward in Europe this season, and now it's kind of like, all right, well, the best thing about it all is to make sure that we maybe aren't in Europe for the rest of the season so we can qualify to go through all this again next season. <laughs> oh it, is, it is, though, it is. Yeah, I suspect that United's activity or lack thereof in the January window will um, be predicated on what exactly happens in this, this final group game. So and, and also the takeover actually going through. But he needs it. He needs some help here, Ten Hag does. And obviously Casemiro being back in January and hopefully Martinez being back a bit before that. He is training. I guess they're going to be super yeah. careful because they don't want another break. Yeah. Because that would be really serious. Uh, Casemiro has been awful for a year almost, but, 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 but that experience would have been very useful tonight. Somehow get Mason Mount fit and actually playing like a footballer. He needs all of this. 
in the yeah. sh- in the short term, of course, we've got a. When is the final game? Is it next week or the week after? I, I forget now. So it's two it weeks' time. Next week's Chelsea. Two weeks' time. It's Chelsea yeah. next Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. So it's going it's to need something really, really special from United at Old Trafford. I mean, presuming... We, I mean, by the way, we're talking bef- just as Copenhagen Bayern Munich is kicked off. Presuming that C- Copenhagen don't win in Bayern tonight. <laughs> and by the yeah. time you hear this or see it, now we're on YouTube, folks. YouTube.com forward slash. No question about that. You Or search for us, whatever. By the time you view or listen to this, that may it may be all moot anyway and all over. But let's just presume that Bayern win. Dead rubber, two weeks' time. There's still a chance for United. There's still a chance. And despite all the chaos and deserved criticism of performances and the individual mistakes and the stupidity of some players and their positioning <laughs> and the inability for Ten Hag to get his message across, there is still a chance that we may survive until past the new year to get knocked out by the first team we play that's half decent. I don't know. What are the rules for the um, group now? So if we finish third, head to playoff. Head. Yeah, okay. So. Well... I mean, yeah, the, the thing. Oh, yeah, there's no to playoff him. to get into. That's only Europa League, yeah. If we finish third, we're down into Europa. If we finish fourth, we're out altogether. And if it's we're tied on points, it's a head to head. So, but okay. Galatasaray have a better head to head than us. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the best sub that we've got is buying resting players, right? But I don't know how likely they are to do that because they, they don't they wind down for the winter still. German football, so it's, they're not likely to take too much of a, a breather with that, and they'll want to continue the record, really, because they've been good in Europe this season. Why would they want to sort of throw away a game that they would, even though we, it's been nuts having us in the Champions League, I think they'd still prefer to have us away from it and have let Galatasaray. It's not going to be like the 98-99 group stage where we all so like played friendly so that Bayern, uh, Barcelona would get eliminated. Allegedly, I'm not. Um, <laughs> it's too far, too far ago, like 25 years for for any fingers to be pointed, really. But I don't expect that kind of game. I think Bayern will come to win. And yeah, stranger things have happened. I, the way that this group stage has gone, United will win four three. But uh, yeah, that's very optimistic win. Um, but it's it's the kind of that thing would that be could optimistic. Happen. More likely, we'll be three 0 up at half time against Bayern's C team, <laughs> and Bayern will score twice in injury time to beat us. Something like that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And well, that's the reverse from mine. That's quite pessimistic, but yeah, possibly. <laughs> well, possibly. I, mean, I don't know where you are. Like earlier in the season, Dan claimed the United could win the Champions League. <laughs> like you've been on the edibles again, mate, haven't you? So uh, I, yeah. No, but do you know what? I'll defend Dan on this because. When we watched Bayern, and I, I'm pretty sure I made the comment here talking to you, is that we we lost in such comical fashion. Again, not very funny, comical, using the word as a very clear descriptive, that we were a couple of, a couple of players off and thinking, do you know what, if we had the full complement, we could have given them a game tonight. We're, and Bayern being one of the best teams in Europe, it lulls you into thinking, oh, we're not actually that far off. And this is where... You know, when United are in such a sort of period of flowing turmoil where you don't actually know what's going on with them and there's a fluctuating standard in the league at home and, and Man City not playing as well and even though that they're evidently the best team in Europe, 
it does lull you into thinking what the hell is going on with the European landscape and where do United fit into that? And it does trick you when you look at a, a game like the Bayern game and think, oh, we're actually close in that. But then you see the other four games and you know how far away that we are really. And it's and it's a sobering one for these players. It has been for three or four years. We know as supporters where we are. It's still surprising because of the level of teams that we've played against and thought, you know what, this is just horrendous, the way that we've defended. The, the, the number of goals that we've conceded and the horrendous nature is probably, it's not our worst ever Champions League campaign, but for goals conceded and the nature of goals that we have, when we look back at this, it's, it's so, now we're in the moment, it's kind of harrowing because we're not really considering the full horror of them. But when you look back at the is it 14 goals that we've conceded, someone will do a compilation and put them on YouTube. And I don't care to look at it just now, but I might do in, in years to come and look at it and just think, Good grief! That is yeah. quite the that is quite the compilation. Quite the collection, yeah, yeah. Oh, some super bad ones, and and Andre Anana has been at the centre of of many of them. Yeah. Sadly, and we were, I, I kind of felt like the last few games, it, yeah. the stuff with the feet, like we confident about. I mean, there was one moment tonight where he took it on his left, turned around the <laughs> turned around the uh, the pressing attacker, and played a beautiful yeah. ball out to Anthony on the right wing, and you're like, okay, great. It's the stuff with the hands that makes everyone very nervous. And yeah. it just felt like last, I don't know, was it three games or so that three? that was looking, he was looking confident and he was yeah. doing things right and he hadn't made any mistakes and it, not even any half mistakes. And you're like, okay, this feels good. Yeah. Uh, Especially, and unfortunately, um, yeah. Yeah. The, the Everton game, the first half, I thought his temperament was really good. It's the, it, again, I said temperament early with Cobby. But it's the same with a goalkeeper for certain. And that's the thing that we've been suspect about with Andre and Anna. You look at him thinking, does he have the temperament to play at this level? At this level, I mean, Manchester United goalkeeper is, and I've said it before, is the single most difficult position, highly scrutinised position in the world. So it's, it does take special temperament to succeed in that role. And I thought, all right, it looks like he's getting the hang of it. And especially... And the first half on on Sunday, I thought, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm more convinced than what I was, and it feels like it's going in the the right direction. But you know what it's like, and unfortunately, we have seen it a few times with. And I hope that this isn't a terminal thing with an honour. Of course, I hope that. But I think there's been so many false stones over the last four or five years where you get you do, and it's hope you invest in hope in a player when you think, all right, they're turning a corner, and. I'm trying to think of, you know, when United have turned corners in the past, I'm talking historically, and when all right. their eggs are in a row and things start going right, how many times have we had to go over and encounter false stones and bumpy roads? Not that many times for that many players, if you think about it. Some some have suffered rough patches or, or rough starts, like Vidic was one, Pallister was another, but not very long. And, and maybe Anana's still in that stage, by the way. But I'm talking about everyone else, all the other players like, you know, Maguire and Martial and, and Pogba for a long time. And, he, and Lingard was a, there for a long time. And even Herrera, other players that were popular. You think, all right, well, we'll get, we like them because they've done some things good and you invest in that patience in them. But United can't afford to... Anthony's another case in an in example where you think, all right, well, I know that last season we talked about him split really and like he, he does things that the manager wants but what does he contribute to the team in terms of output and 
They're, they're contrasting conversations to have. And how long do you keep going with something like that? Even Mason Mount now, how long do you keep going? Because we're four months in and there's nothing to note in a red shirt yet. And it's worrying from that aspect because uh, you can't keep the jury out for too long without it returning a verdict, even without giving you a verdict. You know, that, and that's where we've been with these United players. The proof is in the pudding. The pudding for the last 10 years is that we haven't won a league title. The proof in the pudding this time is that it's been an absolute calamity of a Champions League group. And the players can't... Yetenog can look at himself and say, all right, I've made tactical decisions. But the players, look at the games, look at the goals we've conceded. The players have got to hold their hands up and just say, look, this isn't good enough. And it's not 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 good enough to the point of saying, we go again. It's not good enough. It's time for something new. It's time for a completely new team. It's time for completely new for for all of the players' sake. I'm not saying every single one, but all of the players who are in this problematic era with us. It's t- for their sake. It's better to, to just cut free and to move on and, and do something better because the the definition of insanity eventually ends up like Manchester United's Champions League group, like we've seen tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yes, of course, the, the big picture is no title for 10 years. And as I said, two quarterfinals in, I think it's two in 12. I can't remember the exact. Yeah. It's not good. Anyway, it's uh, and and um, only qualifying like half of the years during that time. It's, it's where United are at right now, Europa League standards and, and fighting it out for fourth and fifth in the in the premier league yeah. this season to narrow it down a little bit one would hope that the intrigue crisis abates although if the stem of that is overworking them on the training field because of all the muscle injuries they're kind of suggesting that might be the case and so some people are saying um i, I don't know whether that will fix itself necessarily but let's just be optimistic and say short term get a few players back, improve after the new year. Maybe there's a signing in January to fix some holes. I don't know. It would it would very much depend on, on Ineos coming in and injecting some equity to do that, but they could do it in theory. Maybe that's a positive outcome and we like have an improved second half of the season, finish in the top four because you know, there's not loads of quality there competing for that mm. place. And pull off a miracle next weekend and have some creditable performances for the rest of the campaign or whatever, right? And you can start feeling a little bit better and then you've got the summer to clear out some of the players that we talk about an awful lot that Ten Hag doesn't want, doesn't trust, and move on from there. Man, there's a lot of ifs in that, though. There's a lot of ifs in that big picture. Let let me throw another sort of theory in there because I know we always talk about January's coming round and the the complexity of the transfer window and what United can and can't do I think we've seen with Kobe and what we've seen with Garnacho because I think Garnacho's at a point now where you've got to play him because of the the goals in the last week he's now he's now a starter on that left hand side I don't think there's any, there should be any question about that there's no question about that as the podcast title goes I think United are at such a point where unless it doesn't serve any pur- purpose to bring in an Amrabat or a Vegos or a goalkeeper or two, all those kind of signings, or a Regalon. I don't think those signings serve any purpose other than to bloat the squad. What this squad needs is streamlining and kids being given a chance. Whether or not that impacts Champions League qualification, 
we're not talking about the health of the financial side of the club. We're talking about the health of the team now. And the better thing to do with a lot of these players is to cut the losses and get them all moved on and to make sure that the squad doesn't have any deadwood in it because the squad needs rejuvenation in terms of things. So what you need in terms of players is not so much bodies and senior players and stuff like that to fill a gap. What you need is a player or two players, and I'm not talking in January, I'm talking about in general over the transfer market. You need players to come into that team who are significant improvements over what we've already got. And it's not that difficult to do that because we know the standard of the players at the moment. Hmm. But that's well, it's what, difficult that's for United a- to do it because historically we just don't. No, yeah, like- right. But, but, but you know, that's what I'm saying is that that's what needs to be done now. These players need to be yeah. a beacon that when they come in, a little bit like Martinez and, and Casemiro were, were at first, there were such significant upgrades. And we got that so right that, all right, you can supplement those with squad players like Malassia. But what you need is to continue that kind of rhythm. And we didn't do that this summer. We replaced the goalkeeper with perhaps, you're still dubious on whether you replaced him with a better one. You brought in Mason Mount, who was theoretically more legs on Ericsson, but didn't look like a massive upgrade. And I think maybe, maybe we did take a step back in the transfer market. Maybe sometimes when a manager is trying to get his handle on a squad, you do need to do that. I'm not saying it was necessary to spend 130 million of, and feel like you stood still, but you know where well, you know where I'm coming from with that. Sometimes you do need those bodies, so you so you've got your own players in there, and you can start to move forward that way. But what United need now, um, the next two or three signings that they make have to be, unless it's like an emer- a genuine genuine emergency, they need significant upgrades in that team because that that's the only way that we can have direction going forward. If you don't have that, don't bring in dead rubber from elsewhere don't bring in a left back from spurs who who doesn't play there and isn't going to play here bring in a player who or or don't bring in a player if you're not going to do that if you're not going to bring in a top player then give the kid a chance because you've seen with menu with his temperament and it's the same thing that we we go back with fernandez who went on loan Uh, yeah all right maybe there were questions about what he could and couldn't do is physicality, but you don't know unless you give him a chance and he didn't get the chance. And this is the time now for players, and maybe it is early, too early for some like Shea Lacey and stuff. I'm not talking like that, but they, they've got to be other players in there, like Dango, players who deserve more of an opportunity to play, like Dango. Not, not from the start tonight, but you would probably now say, I'd rather see him get a run of games than Amrabat. Really, because it's yeah, his future yeah. now that's on the line, and this is the thing that we're talking about. The long closest Dan Gore has got to the first team this season, though, is he's sat in the stands quite a bit. He's he's a home and awayer, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good for him. Mm. But he he's not got anywhere near the team, which is a bit odd because no. he actually did all right in preseason, didn't he? Yeah, it's just an example of like the wider yeah, picture, yeah. really, and like a player who's on the periphery and he's not getting a chance. Who now? probably needs to get a chance. Not because, yeah, I mean, United aren't in like dire straits that everything's gone away. They are still in contention for qualifying for the Champions League. But what I mean is that shouldn't be... Like like last season, it felt like it was so critical to how the club went forward in terms of financial, the financial status. Uh, we talked about it so many times, and it, it probably was. Now it doesn't feel quite so much. Maybe it is for the manager. I don't think it is. I think he should be allowed to navigate another because I know I, I believe in what this manager can do. I would give him the chance to this is as there has to be more bumps in the road, unfortunately. And this is one. You don't like to watch them when they're happening, when it happens like a car crash like we saw tonight. But there there will be more bumps. And if that bump is not qualifying for the Champions League, so we can weed out the rest of the Deadwood and give the players who may even not be good enough 
I'm talking like, you remember Beardsmore, Lee Martin, that kind of generation. They weren't good enough, but they got the chance and the club moved forward because they, the, the Deadwood was weeded out and those players had the chance. It's so much better for the long-term health of the club. And we are at that moment right now, even though it's difficult for supporters to live through it, it still feels like it's a positive trajectory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to bend on the side of trusting in Ten Hag. I'm not sure I trust in his instincts around transfers. I'd kind of like that to be taken away from him. Uh, I think generally is in terms of like, I just think it's good practice anyway for it not to be all on one guy. And I, I think Murtagh has had two years in the job. There's absolutely zero evidence that he's like doing a transformational job in, in that role and doing the right things, either on player exits, contracts or, or player, player incoming. So like a, a professional person in there to help Ten Hag get those decisions right and perhaps question him on some. Because yeah. I think, and, and it could be again, could all turn out great. Andre Anana's like blips could be just blips. Mason Mount can roll the clock back what to three years when he last had a good season. Sorry, I'm being cruel. Maybe it's two and a half. <laughs> Harry Maguire can continue being his reborn self. Martinez gets fit and Casemiro comes back from this injury break refreshed and and the dynamic Casemiro of old, right? And all, all these pieces could come together and. And we'll we'll all feel better about it. But I, I Ten Hag probably needs some help. Yeah. The point that I try and make is I still trust him. I kind of saw the direction, and he did build a very good team at Ajax on fewer resources, much fewer resources than this. Right? So he yeah. can do it. I think he does have the right temperament. He he doesn't feel like he's under pressure. Right. He personally feels like he's even-handed with things and just going about his business. I did like the way that he completely dismissed the TNT reporter this week. He said, we like to see it when the club's in crisis. What Brush- What on earth were they thinking saying that, something like that? That's I, like, I just, you, know, you are not supposed to say the quiet part out loud. We know they want it because narrative, but the, bloody hell. And, I'll be surprised. Well, no, I won't be surprised because there's contracts and obligations and stuff like that. But you just wouldn't let them back near the club again. They just wouldn't. Hey, what are you doing? What I say? It's madness. I'm like, yeah, don't, like you said, don't say the quiet part. We know what you mean, pal. That's <laughs> just. I can't imagine. I watched it a few times and like you know, like because all AI and everything. Like, I think you know that didn't happen. You watch it, you know, no, he said it because it's all about no. the reaction and like you know, he's the way that he. Um, he said, well, he thanked him for being honest, didn't he? So he was like, oh, well, you've been honest at least. And he's just like, whoa, whoa, why, why, why would he even do that? Do you know, it's, um, it's great TV, don't get me wrong. I mean, because it's good to, it was Martin Samuel who said it a few years ago. He said like, oh, you know, United will always, they'll be the one who always sell. But yeah, for someone to come out and say the thing, it's like, oh, mate. Astonishing. It's, it's impressive, really. Quick, before we go, quick preview of Newcastle at the weekend. Yeah. Plucky, plucky Newcastle with their injury crisis that is actually not too many of their first team are actually out. But, you know, hey, narrative again. Let's not say that. It's all about the hard work with Newcastle and absolutely nothing to do with the tyrant in control of them. So let's say, you know, all credit to Eddie Howe for his hard work on the training pitch. Uh, But this will be... It will be a tough game for United. 
disappointing to see them get screwed out of a result by a state-owned club because we know that. <laughs> I mean, you know. yeah, I know. Couldn't happen to nicer blokes, could it? I mean, I, I mean uh, by the way, that is absolutely fucking astonishing. I'm sorry for swearing. Uh, I, I always get a note from people say, hey, we've got kids listening. Astonishing decision. I, I know that in theory, like having read it all, the, the guidance wasn't fully taken up. But it does say in the 23-24 UEFA guidance that if it comes off another part of your body onto the hand, it shouldn't be handball. Now... Apparently, there's some other edict somewhere that says that it's not true, even though it says it in the bloody UEFA handbook, which you can go download right now. Yeah. Astonishing that that is given. Uh, just bonkers. Yeah. Anyway, well, sod Newcastle. It, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not that bothered. Everyone's like in uproar about it. But, I mean, come on. We had one last season, was it Sociedad, the first the first home game where something exactly the same happened to us with Lindelof yeah. with a penalty. So, yeah, and we've had a few this season as well, I think. Not not necessarily Europe. We've definitely had one. We must have had one. A ridiculous bounced one off. I feel like there was one where it bounced off his leg and onto the hand. I forget who now. Bayern. But, yeah. Was it Bayern in the Bayern. first game? We, we definitely gave yes, a super penalty. Yeah. A, so, so, yeah, I mean, and nobody, we do that thing, nobody felt sorry for us. Why would they? Well, I mean, TNT, the guys have basically said that they want it. But yeah, I know, I'm still, I still can't believe it. But yeah, so yeah, plucky Newcastle, um, who have got there the hard way and definitely nothing wrong with their ownership because Eddie Howe doesn't deal with all that sort of stuff. And it, no, it is kind of funny to see. It's, it's even funnier to see because Paris have obviously been ravaged to their players by someone even richer than them in terms of, you know, like Saudi coming and taking Neymar and, and stuff like that. And, so your sympathy with either side. I mean, it's been all over the place, hasn't it? You know, Red Red Bulls, uh, all the teams who were owned by different things. They were talking oh about. Oh my it god! Last night, so. state club, state club, state club, drinks brand, private equity brand, and and a, a multi club group. Yeah. Six teams in there. It's it's so wrong. Uh, yeah. It's a bit more wholesome tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the wholesome nonsense of Galatasaray's <laughs> man. Yeah, 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 exactly right. But yeah, so let's talk about the game. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. But it's just, just a little bit of fun on Castle's expense. But yeah, there has been a lot of talk about that, about their injuries, and I know they, they've done that with Spurs. I mean, like put out with Spurs. This is the eleven that they're missing, and you know, United are just sort of. I don't say get on with it because we've all complained about the injuries, but Tenog's job has been discussed. His very security of his position has been debated over the weeks where we've had poor results. And yeah, all right, the standards for United are higher than the other teams, but you know, United had to deal with all these problems and it doesn't really matter that much because Newcastle, they've still got some good results. Like they batted Chelsea, they've played. Uh, um, Arsenal, they played well in the Arsenal game, uh, regardless of the controversy. They, they played all right there. So the thing is that poor Newcastle teams, and in terms of the players that they've got, we've been to St. James's Park and we've been beaten by poor Newcastle teams because we've just folded in the atmosphere there. And the atmosphere, to be fair, at Newcastle, apart from that... <laughs> have you seen that? You must have seen it. The god-awful one where there's the middle-aged guys and the middle-aged women they're all wearing tea towels on their head and they're singing like we've got Lionel Messi making a brew. We've got Pe- You've not seen it. Someone will listen to this and tag you in the tweet. They must have. So it's like we've got Pep Guardiola 
cleaning the stands. We got we got Jurgen Klopp cleaning the box. We've got Lionel Messi making a brew because New, Newcastle are the richest club or something like that. And it's such nonsense. They 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 are. There's a part of them who were. I mean, I mean. Thank God that United aren't embroiled in that kind of conversation because I would have hated to have been having those conversations on this podcast where you're justifying stuff. But it is the one of the most, one of the most disappointing things I've seen in recent years. And I'm, yeah, I will talk about the football. I just told you that I would. Um, but one of the most diff- disappointing things I've seen in recent years was the guy who was a Newcastle fan. And he was outside St. James's, St. James's Park and he was protesting against the owners and all of his like-minded fellow Newcastle fans were having a go at him as if they, and you could tell that, and there were a lot of them who were younger and a lot of people just wanted Newcastle to be good again, but they were arguing the political argument instead of just saying we want Newcastle to be better. They were trying to justify and they, they it was sports washing in action. And that's the thing that you don't want to see. And I don't like seeing that, even for a club like Newcastle, because I know Newcastle, they've got great fans. They're not just a wee club in the northeast. We've had magnificent atmospheres and magnificent games at St. James's Park. And to see them become what they're becoming is sad. It is sad to see. There's no amount of ju- trophies that can justify it. No amount of them justifying what Man City have done to justify their own longevity in, in this same pursuit. And, and so it's, to see United free of that. That said, about the football, we could struggle regardless of their injury crisis because we've struggled against worse Newcastle teams. And United, as a very reactive club at the moment, it's difficult to know what to predict from them, but you, you kind of predict, well, their heads will be down and they'll do something stupid in the first half because if the pattern of this <laughs> season... No, I've been it serious. Is. I know oh, it they, is. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't get it out of the system. And um, they... And it's not like the old, I know it's not like the old Fergie time, uh, Fergie time days and stuff like that. What I mean is sometimes a Fergie team needed something bad to get it out of the system, to flush something out. And they, then the next game they'd make an error and it's kind of like, all right, well, we can get on with it in this game and rectify it. This isn't a team that does that. It makes an error in the next game and then spends the rest of the game trying to make up for the error. It doesn't, there's no confidence in them that, um, and I wish I could see it in them. We saw it in flashes last season, and we saw it in flashes in the Oli Reign where they had confidence to pick themselves up from poor starts yeah. and stuff like that, or poor games. A lot, of, a lot of recoveries and Oli, yeah. yeah. And and we just don't see so, that. And I do, no. I do expect we'll go behind. I would like to say I've got confidence that we we'll come back and get a result. I, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be very tough for us at the weekend, even yeah. even with their. The, the only thing you'd say about Newcastle is they're better on the back foot than the front foot. And they're better in those games like the one in Paris yeah. last night where they have to defend their own box and then try and break. Uh, and they actually did that very well for most of the... I mean, Paris Saint-Germain yeah. had like 4 XG, which was uh, apparently the highest ever XG in a Champions League game and not to not win a game or something like that. Yeah. But they do defend their own box very well. They do have some injuries at the back. Botman's out. That's good for us. Obviously, don't think Fabian Schaar is, or Le, sorry, Lachelle's is the is the player he once was. Although he did all mm. right last night. So there are some some good things. Um, but yeah, can can it would be very nice if United did exactly what they did against Everton, scored early and tried to control the game. Actually, did that well at Everton. Uh, I, I, it's obviously a much better side, Newcastle. 
yeah. um, and defensively much more secure. And amazingly, for a team that is actually really, really a transitional team, they've scored quite a lot of goals this season as well, Newcastle, and obviously four against Chelsea last weekend. So, yeah, yeah. I expect it to be very tough. Um, it would like, it would be very nice, touch word, that there are no fresh injuries coming out of tonight. I don't think anyone is back, though. And Marcus will be back, obviously, because yeah. uh, he was suspended tonight. But I don't think any of the major injuries are back. Um, so pretty much the same squad. Hopefully Hoyland's okay, came off early. And I expect Mainu maybe back in the side. Bit of calmness like after having a night off tonight. We'll see. Yeah. It'd be nice. Anthony Gordon looks the real deal. I, I don't know just... how, but somehow, yeah. No, he does. I see it's surprising to me as well, but he does. He, he, he looks like a real threat at the moment. And yeah, I, I'm inclined to. He's, but we did it again tonight. We did do it, you know, score early. You know what I mean? It's obviously there, the capabilities there, but you know, I do, I agree completely with you. They need to score early. So I don't think they've done that for a while at St. James's as well. Um, funnily enough, I think we've probably got a history of scoring late winners there. I, I can remember quite a few actually. I can remember Berbatov doing it one time. I can remember um, trying to think there was one a couple of years ago. Where we scored a couple late on, might might have been in lockdown. To be fair, but yeah, you know, yeah, United, I'm blanking, but yeah, yeah. I, I remember Bruno scoring a good goal there, and I don't know if that was a late winner or Mambasaka scored um, a good goal. Um, I can't, I can't. They def- these goals definitely happened. I'm just not sure in in which order that they happened, <laughs> and, and they definitely happened in a win. I'm just not sure when because we've lost. A and few it may games. have been at Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they, yeah, the one thing is for sure. These events have happened. No, <laughs> the, the, the top quality analysis. I should have been looking at the um, the track record there. I just think United as a as a emotional team. I think it's the best kindest description for them at the moment. That it's going to need something. You're going to need Garnacho, maybe like Garnacho and Manu are the ones, aren't they? Really, they're they're, they're the the composure, really, the, the cold as ice people that you need in the team. And I would, like you said, I'd be tempted to start them both uh, because he's had his rest tonight, Menu. And, like, for the same reasons I said as not putting him in, as for the same reasons that, as he struggled bringing him in tonight, not struggled is the wrong word, but couldn't find the pace of the game because it was so frenetic, put him in from the start, allowing the opportunity to dictate the pace of the game because I think he can do that. Anywhere, as yeah. long as he's got as as long as he's got the start rather than being brought into it, and yeah, for that reason, I'd start him on, on Saturday. All right, well, let's leave it there. Touchwood. <laughs> I I would like to see him in there. It'll also there's a, be a 17 year old in the Newcastle side, so I mean, big game experience apparently not needed. Yeah, it's yeah. Why not uh, give a bit of composure to this United side? We'll need it. Big occasion, and. Historically, I don't exactly have anything against Newcastle when they were good. It was under Kevin Keegan and he wasn't, although he was a comedy figure, I didn't really hate him. They were rivals for a very short time. And as you say, historically, big fan base, not very successful, uh, but uh, one of England's historic clubs. And it's a real shame they've become what they've become. And I uh, despise them quite a bit more now. Because 98% of their fan base absolutely love it and they don't care where or how that money has come about. Shame. Anyway, come on, United.